we've been going through a book in the Bible called Ecclesiastes. And this is a great book that really deals with a lot of the frustrations and struggles and complaints that we have in life. Um, And uh, somebody said it's the only book of the Bible written on a Monday morning. And I love that because it really, throughout the whole book, it's just kind of an angry dude that is um, just kind of that crotchety old man, basically, complaining about everything. But there's hope as well, kind of, and that's uh, what we've been talking about. And we have three more weeks in this series, and then we'll start a new series on three weeks that's talking about what does it look like for us to spiritually grow? Uh, what does it look like for us to um, experience growth in our life with God? And then what does it look like for us to help other people in our life? What does it look like for us to help them grow? What does it look like for us to be able to talk with one another and help our friends and in everyday situations grow in their life with Jesus? So that's, that's what we have coming up next. We've got three more weeks of this. And today, as we kind of talk about this next part in chapter 11, we're talking about the things that we are afraid of. And all of us are afraid of stuff, right? All of us have various fears. Those might be silly things or they might be uh, real things that you've experienced in your life, so you're afraid of them. Some of the different surveys, and it's hard to get you know, accurate data on all this, but some of the surveys that um, are out there say um, that this is uh, from the Washington Post, the percentage of Americans that say they're afraid, public speaking tops the list. Uh, so some of you, if I were to call you up here right now, you would pass out and die. Um, and, and some of you maybe are afraid of death, and that would scare you. Um, and then there's heights. So if you're public speaking on a stage, that might even really scare you. Uh, bugs, snakes, and other animals, which my wife is, sometimes I will, I'm, I'm downstairs in my office, and I'll hear blood-curdling scream, and I'm like, okay, it's time to kill somebody. Like, I got to fight and it turns out it's a spider, or usually it's not even a spider, it's just like a piece of fuzz, um, which, <laughs> which, which when we first got married, I used to put those fuzzes in different places, because like, oh, this will be fun to scare her, but then I realized that that would be very bad for my marriage, and I might kill my wife, and so I decided not to do that. Uh, drowning, blood, needles, claustrophobia, flying, strangers, and zombies, which I think is funny, like people are actually afraid of zombies. Um, and that is interesting to me because zombies don't exist. So if you are afraid of zombies, you need to know that's just fake. It's TV. Um, uh, okay, or another study, uh, this was from 2015, that talked about, this is kind of interesting, just some of the top fears that Americans say that they're afraid of, corruption of government officials, cyber terrorism, corporate tracking of personal information. Some of this stuff starts to, you know, get out of the realm of phobias and a little more like, yeah, we are afraid that people might uh, steal our identity or a terrorist attack or government tracking of personal information, which I'm never afraid of that stuff, like government tracking our data or, uh, you know, the NSA spying on us. I know they're spying on us. Like, I know they can see us, right? I just usually talk to them. Hey, guys, they can see us through the TV. I know that. Um, And so it doesn't scare me, and it's okay. I just, they're like an imaginary friend that's not imaginary. Uh, Running out of money in the future, credit card fraud. So here's the point. We're afraid of stuff, right? We're all afraid of various things in our life, okay? And that can be super intense things, or it can be just kind of fuzz on the ground, or silly things. It can be all sorts of different things. But here's here's what I think. I think this would be hard to quantify in a study, but I think... Uh, perhaps one of the things that we're most afraid of in our life is failing or things not working out the way that we wanted them to work out, which is a kind of failure that we, we want to do this certain project and we're kind of afraid, man, what if it doesn't go the way I hope it goes? 
or we want to talk to a friend about something, but we say, what if it doesn't go the way I hope it goes? What if it fails? What if that conversation doesn't go the way that I want it to go? Or, or maybe we want to uh, ask somebody on a date, or we want to ask somebody to marry us, or to be our boyfriend or girlfriend, and we're afraid, man, what if it doesn't go the way I want it to go? What if it fails? What if it flops? Or we want to apply for a job, but we're anxious and we've got the interview the next day and our stomach's just in knots because we're afraid. What if it doesn't go the way I want it to go? What if it fails? And I I think this is perhaps one of the the biggest fears that we have with all sorts of things, whether that's uh, business endeavors or relationships or jobs or whatever it might be. I think probably one of the biggest fears that most of us have, that I have, that I'm sure you have, is we're afraid that things might fail or that things won't work out the way that we hope they would work out. And I think this is perhaps the most common fear that we share and the fear that can most actually keep us from the things that God wants for us in our life. This is probably the most common fear, but it's also the fear that can most keep us from the things that God intends for us to experience, for the things that God intends for us and wants for us to be able to have in our life. And none of us want fear. None of us want to be paralyzed by fear of failing or fear of things not working out. None of us want that. But if you think about your life and if you, if you are honest with your life, how many things have there been in your life, maybe even this week, Uh, Maybe you're wrestling with this right now, but how many things have there been where you say, man, I think this is something that God wants me to do, or I know this is something that God wants me to do, and you didn't do it because you were afraid. You were afraid of what they might say. You were afraid of what they might think. You were afraid of what they might do. You were afraid of what the results might be, and so you didn't do it, or you didn't say it, or you didn't move forward in whatever that thing might be. None of us want that, but if we're honest and we ask, how many times has fear kept me from what God would want for my life? It's probably a good good chunk of things, And, and we know that fear keeps us. We know fear keeps us from trying different things. We know that it's not just the thing itself that that uh, we don't like it or something, but that fear keeps us. So even just something simple, like probably most of you would say, I would love to go skydiving. That would be great. But what what makes you not do it if you haven't done it? It's not because you say, I don't want to fly like a superhero. I just think that's dumb. It's probably because you're afraid to do it. And there's other things that you would go, yeah, I would love to talk to my friends about Jesus that don't know Jesus. It's not that you think that that's dumb. It's just probably what I'm afraid of what they would think or of what they would say or how they would view me differently or how that would affect the relationship that we know, man, there's things over here that I do want, that I do want to experience, that I do want to try, that I do want to engage in. And we know that what keeps us from that most often is fear. It's fear. So, so I know that you know that, and I think we know that, and it's a very common experience that we, that we have. But, but why is that fear there? And how can we face that fear? Why is that fear present in our life? And it's a big deal, because if one of the things that can most keep you from what God intends for you is the fear of failing or stuff not working out the way you want it to work out, why is that fear there? And how can we overcome that? That's what we will talk about today. And this is a short uh, section that he has here in just six verses that we're going to look at in Ecclesiastes 11. But we're going to look at how we face this fear and why this 
fear is here. So Ecclesiastes 11, 1 through 6, here's what he says. Back to bread for those of you that have been here uh, for a couple weeks. He says, uh, cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. And this, this verse is a little confusing. A lot of people actually don't know what this means. There's kind of three different interpretations, but, but all of it is something like this. It might have to do with trade or it might have to do with generosity, but, but, the, but the main principle is this. He's saying, take, take the bread that you have, and, and most people that, I, that I've seen think this is talking about kind of sea trade, and he's saying, take it and, and you, you throw it out there. You take, if, you, if you're trading in grain and you're trading in bread, you, you put it out there, and, and then eventually you'll find a return on your investment, basically is what he's saying. Cast your bread upon the waters, and you will find it after many days. He's not just saying, you know, throw it there, and then you'll come upon it, and it floated. And isn't that awesome? He, he's talking about, <laughs> like, that doesn't really make any sense. He's talking about trading kind of in sea trade. And if you were to put the bread out there and something before you, and it would go to other ships, and I don't understand all the ins and outs of it, but, but basically it's an investment mentality. You give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. So he's talking about diversifying. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north in the place where the tree falls, there it will be. He's saying these, these things happen and you can't control them. If a cloud's full of rain, it's going to rain. And if a tree falls, it's going to stay there. He who observes the wind will not sow. If somebody's looking at the wind, they won't plant he who regards the clouds will not reap. Somebody is looking at the clouds and seeing the rain and they won't plant and then therefore they won't uh, get the harvest. As you do not know the way the spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed and at evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. So this is the question, why are we afraid of taking action in whatever that might be? Whatever thing that might be, whatever thing that maybe God is putting on your heart, or whatever thing that God has told you to do, or you read the Bible and there's various things of obedience or things that we know, man, this is what God wants for my life, but we're afraid. We're afraid to have the conversation. We're afraid to... to uh, disclose something. We're afraid to uh, take a risk and move out in faith. We're afraid of all these different things that keep us from what God would have for us. But why are we afraid? Why are we afraid of taking action? If, if this is, and it is, if this is one of the things that can most keep you from the life that God has for you, why is that fear there? And here's what he says. He gives us, he gives us two things in this short section. And the first thing is this. We have we have a confidence in the future. See, we're afraid of moving out and doing this thing over here because we have a confident belief in the future of what's going to happen. We, we believe, I know what's going to happen. And we think about it in our heads. I know that if I talk to this person, this is how it's going to go down. I know that if I confess this sin, this is how it's going to go down. I know. And so we have a confident belief in the future. And, and he, he addresses this as the problem. Look at this. This is going to hurt your eyes because I uh, put it all on one screen. But, but here's the whole thing. And here, here's what he says several different times. He says, you do not know. You do not know. You do not know. You do not know. In six verses, four different times, he wants to make the point. You do not know because he's addressing the problem. 
See, part of what creates this fear of being willing to, as in his language, cast the bread upon the waters or plant the garden, part of the fear is, I know what's going to happen. And he's addressing that by saying, look, you don't know, you don't know, you don't know, you don't know. But, but this gets at the underlying problem, which is we are afraid to take action because we do have a confidence in the future. How many times have you been afraid to do something and you've said, look, I know what's going to happen. If I talk to them, I know how that conversation is going to go. If I say something to them about this area in their life that has to change, I know how they're going to respond. If I apply for that job, I know it's not going to work out. If I talk to my boss about the way he's been treating me, I know how he's going to react. I know, so I won't. And see, what keeps us afraid is we have this confidence in the future. We have a confidence of, I know what's going to happen. And so it keeps us in fear because we are focusing on, I know I'll lose something I know that I'll lose reputation or friendship or what people think of me. I know I'll lose, so I won't. And you can think about this with all sorts of things. Maybe there's issues in your marriage right now. Issues in your marriage, and, and you know that there's problems there. But you look at it and you go, yeah, I would like to fix something. I would like to bring this up with them. But I know if I say this, I know nothing's going to happen. I know they won't change. I know, and so we stay over here. Or it can be with, um, it can be with sharing things with people. Maybe there's stuff that you're struggling with and stuff that is hurting in you and stuff that's hard for you, and, and you know that you should share that. You know that God would want you to be open, but you also think this, I know if I share this, then they'll think different of me. They'll think less of me. They might act different around me. I know what will happen in the future, so I won't. I know, so I won't. I know I should confess this sin. Look, I, I mean, I've, I've been pastoring for a long time, and I know that even in a room that's not very big of this size, there's some of you that are struggling with sins that you hang on to, and you want to bring them out. You want, you want help. But you also say this, I know, I know if I share this, I know if I ask for help, I know if I tell my friends, I know if I share with my spouse, I know that this will happen, something bad will happen, so I won't. I know, so I won't. And see, he, he tells us that there's this, you know, cast your bread upon the waters and plant the garden wants us to know, look, part of the problem of why we don't risk, of why we aren't willing to act, is because we have a confidence in the future of what will happen. That's one of the things. Another reason of why we're afraid of taking action is because we wait. We want to wait until things are just right. Now, there might be areas in your life that you go, yeah, I want to take action I want to move over here. I know that God is leading me to do this. I know that God is putting it on my heart. I was maybe reading something or I heard a sermon or talking to a friend. And I know I need to move in this direction. I know that's what God wants for my life. I know that that's where he's leading me. I know that. But I, I kind of got to wait till things are just right. And we want the conditions to be just right. We want the ideal conditions. That's, that's when he says, look, if you're out there and you're kind of looking, he uses an illustration of somebody that's going to plant a garden. 
And if you ever you've planted a garden, you maybe even have experienced this, but he uses this illustration and says, but the person that's always watching the clouds and kind of like, well, looks like it might rain today, so it's not a good day to plant. And it's garden season right now, and some of you might be doing that, and you've waited, and you've waited, and you've waited, and it's okay, you still have time, but if you keep waiting, and you keep looking at the clouds, well, we might get a late May snow, or we might get a, and you wait, and you're waiting for those ideal conditions. And he says, the person always looking at the clouds or the person always looking at the wind, like, ah, it's a little windy today. If you're waiting for the ideal conditions, see, one of the reasons that we're afraid of taking action is because we want things in our life to be just right. And we don't want to take action if we don't think it'll be just right. This is, I, I actually literally do exactly what he's talking about. Uh, this is Rocky Mountain National Park. I did not take this photo, but it's beautiful, right? And this is uh, not that far away from here, but to me, and my wife and I will go hiking a lot on Saturdays, and this is just like the mecca of hikes to me. I know I haven't done it yet, but it's so gorgeous. All the pictures are just beautiful. It's just this, I mean, I can just stare at this for the rest of the sermon and go, wow. Uh, but I want to hike there. I want to I explore. I want to see the lakes. I want to see the mountains. But on Saturdays, I wake up and I watch the wind and I, and I pull up the weather. And this is from Friday at 8 a.m., um, as you can see, and this was the weather, and it says wind, 14 miles an hour, and here, the only good time was right now, so if I hadn't been here, it would have, that's, my, missed my one shot was then, um, but, but I, I pull it up, and I look at the clouds, and I look at the wind, and we haven't gone yet, because I'm pulling up, and I want the ideal conditions, now I'm not saying that's a sin, but I'm just saying that what he says is this, one of the reasons that we're afraid of taking action, one of the reasons is because we want things to be just right. We want all the things to line up. And so there's various things that God may be leading to you, various things in your life that you're afraid of, that God may be calling you into, and you want them. But you're waiting for all the right factors to line up, all the right conditions to be fulfilled exactly how you want. Now, this is a problem this is a problem, especially in our day, in our age, in our culture, because we have endless opportunities, don't we? I mean, if you want to go on a hike, I mean, this is, this is so paralyzing, and I don't know if you're like me in this, but if you want to go on a hike, it's like, well, what hikes are good? I don't know. Let's pull up 5280, best hikes. Okay, there's 10. Let's pull up Westward, best hikes. Okay, there's 10. Let's pull up Travel Magazine, whatever. I mean, there's, and there's endless opportunities. If you want to go eat, like, where should we eat? Well, I don't know. Let's see what the top 25 best restaurants are in 2016 and in 2015, just in case they missed one from 2016. And let's see what Eater, you know, magazine says. And let's see what 303 says. And let's see what Yelp says. And let's see what my friend says. And let's throw it up on Facebook and say, hey, do you guys know of any good restaurants? But you don't really care what those people think. So you also want to check. I mean, it's just endless. More, I mean, I don't know if this is a statistical truth, but I think it is that we spend more time scrolling on Netflix than actually watching uh, a program. I mean, it's crazy, right? Because there's so many opportunities, so many options of what you could do, right? There's so many opportunities. There's so many options. There's so many choices. It's endless. It's so many. And so what happens is this even helps hurt us when we're afraid of taking action because we want just the right conditions and we look and see, man, there's this option and there's this option and there's this. And what if I, if I do this and it means I close off that I could have done this? This is why, especially younger people, if you're younger than 35, people struggle so much with committing to something. 
struggle so much to committing with something. We had 180 people in Eastern, I think like four people RSVP'd. I mean, it's just like, maybe it's a little more than that, but it was just, I mean, it's, it's, there's, there's like no, I mean, we just hate committing to anything. We hate committing to something because we know, man, if I close off this option, then that means there's other options that might come up that I might miss out on. And part of what keeps us from taking action, that keeps us from saying, you know what? I am going to commit to this. I am going to do this. I am going to move forward on this. I am going to date this person and close off all other options. I am going to marry this person and close off all other options. I am going to take this job and close off all other options. I am going to commit to hang out with these friends. I am going to join this community group. I am going to do this. Part of what keeps us from that is we want all the conditions to be just right. And we're afraid. And if I commit to this, what if the conditions aren't exactly what I want them to be? What if it doesn't go exactly? What if there is a little bit of rain in that cloud? What if there is a little bit of wind in the air? And so we're afraid because we want things to be just right. We want everything to be fulfilling we want everything to be rewarding. We want everything to be kind of the maximum thing that it can be. But a lot of times that keeps us indecisive. It keeps us not taking action. It keeps us missing out on opportunities we could have. So, so here's what this means. Why, why are we afraid of taking action? He says there's, there's really a couple things that are often going on that keep us. One of them is, is that we are confident in the future. Even if we're wrong, we're confident in what the future is going to hold. I know what will happen, so I won't. And that we are waiting until things are just right. We want things to be just right. Can't be anything wrong with it before we make a decision, which, which means this in your life. It means we're kept safe. It means we're kept safe. It means we don't have to risk. We're kept safe, but we're also kept from what God would be leading us to. We're kept safe, we're kept secure, we're kept in our comfort zone, but we're also kept from the things that God is pushing us out towards. That's what it means when fear rules. And here, here's another problem with this, and I know this in my life, and I know it, it's true for you. The problem is this, you have tried things. You have tried to have that conversation. You have tried to talk with that friend, or you have tried to uh, move out in faith in something, you have, and it didn't work. You were right. You have said, God is leading me towards this, and there is, uh, I, I know that this is what faithfulness looks like, and you, you did try, and it didn't work. And so that builds a deeper sense of, well, see, I knew it. I know, so this time it's not going to happen. I, you, you did try to share something with somebody, and they did react badly. You did try to, to lay your heart on the table, and people did treat you differently. So this is the problem, because you have had a confidence in the future, and you've been right. And you have said, okay, I know I can't just wait till all the right conditions are there, and so I'm just going to do it, and things went bad. And that's just happened in our lives, right? And so it builds a defensiveness. It builds a hardness. It builds a guardedness. It builds a, a I don't want, 
I don't want to fail again. I don't want things to not work out again. I don't want to be hurt again. I don't want to lose again. So that has happened, and it makes it harder for us. But what does, what does taking action in the face of those fears look like for us? What does taking action in the face of fears look like for us? What does it look like? And he gives us a handful of things. The first thing that he says is when you look at cast your bread upon the waters. Really, this is talking about being faithful to something that God would be leading you to. And what I'm saying, the reason I'm saying that is because he's not just saying, hey, whatever fear you have, just go for it. If you're afraid of elevators, get in the elevator. If you're afraid of swimming, jump in the, you know, put your floaties on and jump in the deep end. If you're afraid of, uh, you know, alligators, hold a pet alligator at the, the petting zoo or whatever. I mean, he's not just saying whatever silly thing you're afraid of, just do. He's saying, look, there's certain responsibilities that we have. There are certain things that God is leading you to. And so the first thing that taking action in the face of fear looks like is this. It is to be faithful. It's to be faithful to what God has given you to do, to do what God has told you to do, to do the right thing. Don't use a passage that says, cast your bread upon the waters just to to convince yourself to do what you already want to do. Don't use a passage like this just to say, you know what, there's things that I want to do, and this, great, this gives me, uh, you know, the, the license to do it. I'm really afraid of smoking uh, cocaine, but I don't, can you smoke cocaine? Smoking crack, I'm really afraid of doing that, but I'm going to cast my bread upon the waters. You know, that's not what it's saying, okay? That sounds like something that someone smoking cocaine would say. <laughs> Just casting my bread on the waters, man. So, <laughs> um, that's, that's not what he's saying, okay? He's saying, be faithful to the things that you have in front of you. Be faithful to the things that God's given you. Don't just say conquer your fears and go skydiving and go river. I mean, those things are great. Go for it. But that's not what the passage is saying. Saying, look, there's responsibilities we have. There's things that God has put before us. And our responsibility is to say, this might be hard. This might be difficult. But I'm going to be faithful to do this. It might be hard to have that conversation. It might be hard to share this thing. It might be hard to talk with that person. It might be hard to, to join um, something that you don't know what's going to happen. It might be hard to set out on an endeavor where God may be leading you to do some ministry. It might be hard to do foster care or to adopt. It might be hard to do things, but to be faithful in what God's given you to do. That's the first thing. The second thing that he tells us is to be patient. He says, cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find that after many days, so he says, cast your bread upon the waters, and you'll find it after many days. And, and part of our problem is that we love the immediate return. We love the immediate, uh, immediate response of, of doing something and got the result. We love that. I mean, there's all sorts of things that, that applies to. That's why we're in huge credit card debt as a society. It's why, I mean, all sorts of things. But we love immediate fulfillment. And he says, look, you've got to be faithful. Here, here's what taking action in the face of fear looks like. It looks like being faithful to do what God is leading you to do and being patient. Cast your bread upon the waters and you will find it after many days. He doesn't say, look, throw a piece of bread out and boom, it's going to come right back. That's not what he says. He says after many days, you have to be patient. You see, a lot of times 
A lot of times in our life, the things that God is leading us to, the things that God is calling us to, the things that are the right things to do, take time. It might mean you have to keep praying for that person or keep praying for that situation. You say, well, I I tried praying once. It might mean you might be praying for a long, long time. It might mean that that you have to keep having conversations. Well, I, I already talked about it once. It might mean you have to keep having conversations. It might mean you have to keep working on your relationship. Well, I tried one counseling session. It might mean you have to keep learning and keep growing. You see, patience is part of what it looks like to take action in the face of fear because we're afraid, man, what if things don't work out? What if they fail so we don't do them? And we might even try, we might even take one step and go, see, nothing happened. And he says, yeah, but keep going. Keep trying. Be patient. A lot of times, faithfulness is the long game, an uphill battle. It's not the immediate return. Just like a garden. That's why he, part of why he uses that illustration. Because if you've ever planted a garden, my wife and I have planted a garden in our backyard the last several years. If you ever planted a garden, you put the seeds in the ground, cover it with dirt, and you water it. You come out the next day, and there's no carrots there, unless you've got some crazy Monsanto GMO things that just like sprout up. But I mean, that's not, you, you go out the next day, you water it, you go back in, you come out in the night, you water it, the next day, it's still just dirt. It's like, I've got a dirt garden, and then you come out the next, and you keep doing it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And eventually, through patience and endurance, there is a result. There is a fruit that comes from that. So he says to be faithful. He tells us, to be patient, to keep going, even when you're not seeing the results that you want to see. And third, he says to be wise. Uh, he, he talks about it in diversifying, give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you, not, for you, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. And he, he's saying, look, don't put all your eggs in one basket, basically. And, and that applies to this. He, he's saying, look, just be wise about how you're taking the risks. Be wise about how you are investing. Be wise about the actions you're taking. Don't just say, okay, I'm going to conquer my fears and I'm just going to jump all in. Be wise. Be wise about how you go about the things that God is calling you to do. Be wise about how you talk with somebody and how you approach the thing that God is leading you towards. Be wise about it. Don't just say, well, I'm just throwing the bread out there and we'll see. He says, look, do it to seven or eight because you don't know. I mean, six of those might get eaten by fish or whatever. You, know, you, don't, don't, you don't know what disaster is going to happen on the earth. He says, so be wise. So what does it look like to take action in the face of fear? It's, it's, I mean, it's just a simple passage, but he gives us three things. Be faithful, be patient, and be wise. But here's the thing underneath all of these things. Here's the thing underneath all of the different things that as you think about life and go, man, there are things I know that God is leading me to. There's conversations I know I need to have. There's things I know I need to share. There's commitments I know I need to make. There's stuff I know I need to do. But I'm afraid. I'm afraid. And here's the thing underneath all of what he's saying that we have 
to be willing to lose. To say, cast your bread upon the waters, you lose it. At least in that moment, you lose the bread. This guy loves bread. I mean, there's several passages where he's like, bread is for laughter, and bread is for joy, and bread is for... I don't know what's up with him and bread, but he loves it. But whatever it might be, here's the underlying principle. You have to be willing to lose. You've got to be willing to sacrifice. To say, cast your bread upon the waters, is to say, you will lose something. You will sa- it will take loss. It will take sacrifice often to do the things, the right things, the thing that God is calling us to do. The greatest thing in your life will cost you and take risk. And to ask someone to marry you is a beautiful thing, and it, it, it takes a risk, and it costs you for those of you in the process of getting married. I mean, it, it costs, and it takes, the greatest things are on the other side of taking risks. The greatest things are, are the things that cost us, that we lose something from. Jesus says the same thing. Jesus says this in John 12. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, and he uses a lot of the same imagery here, talking about gardening metaphor. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now now look what Jesus is saying here. Whoever loves his life loses it. Here's what he's saying. Whoever whoever says, I want to stay safe. I'm going to stay in my comfort zone. I don't don't want, I, I, I love my life. I love what I have right here. I love the reputation I have. I love the friends I have. I love the freedom I have. I I love the the peace and the safety that I have. I love the time I have. I love the money I have. I I love my life. And Jesus says, whoever loves their life loses it because they stay here and don't get to experience this. Whoever loves his life loses it and whoever hates his life, and he's not saying you should look at yourself in the mirror and say, I hate you. But he's saying that it should be considered as such. Whoever hates his life in the world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever says, you know what? I'm going to be willing to lose this. I'm not going to hang on to this. Because I want that instead. And Jesus is saying, cast your bread upon the waters. Be willing to lose your life. Cast your life, cast your bread. Throw it out there. Be willing to lose it. Be willing to lose it, not just so you lose it, but so that you actually gain it. And Jesus said this a lot in different ways. Whoever says, I'm safe right here, I'm secure right here, I don't want to lose anything right here, they actually are the ones that lose this. But the person that says, I'm willing to sacrifice, I'm willing to cast my bread upon the waters, I'm willing to faithfully follow you where you go. I'm willing to, if you say, follow me here, which can be all sorts of things. Jesus says, I want you to have this conversation. I want you to share this. I want you to work on this. I want you to, if Jesus says, follow me here, you get to experience what life actually is when you do that. And you will lose something. You'll lose something. Because that's the principle underneath all of this is you will lose something. 
but you'll gain something. So Jesus says, go where he is leading. Go where he's leading. Be faithful to follow him where he takes you. And here's the thing. Faith and obedience is never failing. Faith and obedience is never failing. If Jesus says, follow me over here, and you say yes, even if things don't work out the way you want them to work out, even if things don't work out the way you hoped that they would work out, even if things actually happen and you said, I know what's going to happen, so I'm, even if that does all come to fruition, to say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you and I'm not going to hang on, I'm not going to love my life and keep it safe. That's never failing to walk out in faith into what Jesus calls you to. Obedience is never failing. Jesus says, go where he is leading us and be willing to lose. That's the thing underneath all of this. Cast your bread upon the waters is saying, you've got to be willing to lose your bread. You've got to be willing to lose your life. Jesus intensifies it from just bread. You've got to be willing to lose it. What are you afraid of losing? Sometimes we're afraid of losing time. So we don't do the things that Jesus is calling us to. Sometimes we're afraid of losing money, so we're not generous. Sometimes we're afraid of, of losing our reputation, so we don't say the things that we should say. Sometimes we're afraid of losing friends and relationships, so we, we don't share the things that we should share or confront each other on things we should confront each other on. Sometimes we're afraid of, of losing in, in comfort just because the life that Jesus leads us into is difficult. What are you afraid of losing? Jesus says, be willing to lose. Be willing to lose so that you actually gain. So for you, what does this mean? What's the right things that God is leading you into that you haven't done because you're afraid? I think most of us probably know. What are the things that God is leading you to do that you haven't done because you're afraid. It's not really that you say, no, God doesn't want me to do that, or I don't want to do that. It's what's really keeping you from that? What's really keeping you? I don't know. I don't, I don't know what it is for you, but I think that's a really important thing for you to think about. This might be talking to someone. It might be starting something. It might be giving something. It might be committing something. It might be something. It looks like loss for you, but is what Jesus is calling you to. I'd encourage you to, even just now, before we leave here, to write that down and just say, Jesus, I'm going to give that to you. I'm going to give that to you. I'm afraid of this, but I'm going to give it to you. And what happens if we don't do that? Here's what happens if you don't. Here's what happens if you don't say, I'm going to lose my life. Here's what happens. Here's what happens if you don't Say, I'm going to step out. Here's what happens if you, if you do this. You won't fail. You'll be safe. Here's what happens if you don't step out and say, I'm going to have that conversation. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to face my fears. Here's what happens. You will not fail. You will stay safe and you will stay secure and you will stay comfortable and you will not lose. You may even have the life that you love but you won't get to experience what's on the other side. And this is, what, this is what the author says 
in Ecclesiastes that the person that looks at the clouds, the person that looks at the wind, yes, they'll be safe. He says, but they'll never reap. Means they'll never get the fruit that they could have had if they did plant. If every day I look at my phone and I see it's windy at Rocky Mountain National, it's the clouds are full at Rocky Mountain, I'll be safe. My face won't get windy. I won't get water on me. But I also will never get to hike it. I'll never get to enjoy the beauty of it. If you stay safe, here is what will happen. You will not fail. You will be safe. You will be secure. But you won't get to experience what's over here. Jesus says, if you follow me, you get to be where I am. If you follow me, it'll feel like you are losing your life in some way, but gaining your life in so many other ways. I I love um, the way C.S. Lewis says this, and he's talking about love and relationships. He's talking about love and that it's risky to love somebody, it's risky to let people in, that that's a risky thing to do. And he talks about how we'll be safe if we don't, but we'll miss out. And I, I love this quote that he says here. He says, to love it all is to be vulnerable. To love is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you take that risk, your heart might be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it'll change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. I love that. And I think it applies to not just love and relationships, but he's saying, yes, you will be safe. You will be secure. You will not have to risk. But you miss out on love. You missed out. If you keep your money, you will have more money. And you miss out on a life of generosity. If you keep your time, you will have time to be able to do whatever you want to do. But you'll miss out on what could have happened by investing your time in the places that God is calling you to. If you don't ever speak up and you don't ever say things to people, then people will think well of you. And you'll miss out possibly being able to see people experience the life that Jesus has for them. If you don't ever share what's going on and the hard struggles in your life, people will not think poorly of you. And you will be kept safe. And you'll miss out on exactly what he was talking about. Being able to really experience love and really experience relationships. See, only on the, only on the other side of fear is the life that we were made for, the life that we were designed for, and the life that really, in each of our hearts, we, we crave and want. And so here's the final question that I just want us to talk about is this. How do we face our fears then with faith? We know that we're afraid of things, and we know part of the reason that we're afraid of things is because we say, I know what will happen. I've got this confidence in the future, and I've got to kind of wait till everything is just right. We know that, that we're afraid of things, and, and things keep us from what God is leading us to. And we even know what faithful action looks like to say, I'm going to be wise, and I'm going to be patient, and I'm going to do the things that God has called me to do. We know that, but how do we then face our fears like that? 
How do we face our fears? How do we be able to say, okay, God, I am afraid of that. I am afraid of that, but I'm going to move forward. How do we do that? And we have, to, we have to do what we already know how to do with fear, which is we have to have a confidence in the future. See, we, we let what we know about the future determine what we do in the present. We let what we know about the future determine what we're going to do right here in the present. And if, and if we say, well, I know what's going to happen, so I'm going to stay here. Well, to face our fears with faith, we have to do the same thing. We have to do the same thing. Because we do know what's going to happen in the future. In your life and whatever the thing is that, that God may be leading you to risk in, to lose in, we do know what's going to happen. Heath says in Ecclesiastes, he says that, look, you don't understand. You don't understand the way that a, a, a baby forms in the womb. You don't get it. And you don't. And I don't, right? Like even, even with all the science we have, it still is like a mystery. He says, you don't understand how the spirit enters into things that are just material. Like you don't get it. He's like, in the same way, you don't get the work that God is doing. But you know what this means? It means God's involved. It means God is involved in the different things. So he says, look, there's, there's risks that you have to take. There's things you have to be willing to lose. There's faithfulness that God is calling you into. And part of our mind says, yeah, but this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and this is going to happen. I've got to wait till everything is just right. And he's like, look, you don't really understand. But God is involved. God is involved. And if God's involved, then we do have a confidence about the future. If God is involved, we have a different kind of confidence in the future. We know that he will take care of us. Now, here's what this is not saying. It's not, it is not saying, it's not giving you a false hope. It's not saying, follow God and everything will go great. It might not. It's not saying that, it, it, see, this is, this is different from fear. And it's different from a false hope that just is naively optimistic. It says, anything I do will work great because Jesus is with me. It's not saying either of those things. It's not a faith in yourself that says, I, I know I can do it because Jesus is with me. And it's not a faith in your situation that I know that since God's with me, everything's going to go great. It's not a faith in yourself. It's not a faith in your situation. It's not fear. And it's not false hope. What it is, is a faith in a person that you say, look, I don't know what will happen, but what the author of Ecclesiastes says is God's involved, which means he will be with me. He will take care of me, good or bad. He's involved. It's a faith in a person, and we know this, and we can have a confidence in this because of what Jesus said. Back, back to the verse we looked at. Look what he says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. See, Jesus is prefacing his call to us to be willing to lose, to be willing to sacrifice, to be willing to follow him into a life that says, I'm willing to lose. I'm willing to even hate my life in this world. I'm willing to do that to follow you. But Jesus' preface to that is, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. And Jesus is talking about himself. And Jesus is the grain of wheat that was about to die. This is, this is just a couple 
chapters before his crucifixion. And Jesus, Jesus is saying, look, I want you to follow me. I want you to be willing to lose to gain. I want you to be willing to risk to experience the life I have for you. But the reason that we can have a confidence that he'll be with us in the middle of whatever that is, even if it's hard, even if it's fearful, is because he did that for us. See, Jesus says, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. And here's what's beautiful about that. Jesus, as the grain of wheat, falling into this earth and dying, why did he do that? To bring us to himself? Because unless it does that, it remains alone. And the Bible teaches that why did Jesus come to this earth? It wasn't just to forgive us of our sins, although it was, but it was to bring us to himself. See, the reason that Jesus went to the cross, the, willing, the reason that he came to this earth, that he fell into this earth and was willing to die in this earth, the reason he did that was to bring us to himself so that we would not be alone and he would not be apart from us. And so here's what we know if we have a faith that that's true. That the things that Jesus leads us into that are scary, that are fearful, we know he will be with me in this. And he is for me in this. He's calling me to risk. He's calling me to lose. But he lost everything for me. So I know that he's not going to be apart from me in this, which is why he says, look, if you go where I am, you'll be with me. So what, what can help us face our fears with faith? It's to see he's going to be with me. Yeah, Jesus is calling you. Jesus is calling you to do things that are hard, that are scary, that are risky, where you will have to lose. But he says, look, I've lost everything for you. So you can know that no matter what, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be for you. Imagine if we had that kind of confidence. Imagine if things in our life were still scary and still, still fearful, but fear didn't keep us here. Imagine if that actually represented what our community was like that fear never kept us here that we're still afraid where there's things that are still scary but we said nope i'm not going to let fear keep me from the things that god is leading me to what would happen and jesus says we would bear much fruit because we can be faithful it's okay if we lose it's okay if we win we know he's with us. We know he lost everything for us. And so for us to step forward following him, we know he'll be with us. When we take communion, that's what we remember. We remember that Jesus died on the cross, that his body was broken, that his blood was shed, that he was the seed that was killed, that was planted so that we wouldn't have to be alone, but we could be with him and we could be a part of his family. So we're going to pray. And we're going to sing songs and we're going to take communion together. Father, thank you that you did send Jesus to this earth. You sent him to die and to bring us to you, to bring us into your family. God, I don't know the different things that we're afraid of in this room, but I, but I pray that you would help us to have a confidence, a trust, a faith in you. Not in ourselves and not in the situation working out, but a but a trust and a confidence that, that you are for us and with us. Help us as we sing, as we take communion, as we pray, to have these truths that go deeper into our hearts. In your name, Jesus, we pray.
Amen.